0: Welcome to Golden Gems with Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen. We review each week the career and personal life of one of the great unforgettable artists of the golden days of radio. So please join us on a trip down memory lane as we take a look at today's artist. Then go to our website www.goldengems.net where we also look at more of their career and play some of their most unforgettable great hits which we are unable to share on the podcast. We invite you to join us there also. But for now, sit back and relax as we talk about the life of today's unforgettable artist of the Golden Days of Radio. Welcome to Golden Gems Podcast.
1: Dave Shaw and Bill Hansen here talking this week about the life of Lawrence Welk. Lawrence Welk was born on March 11, 1903, and lived until May 17, 1992. He was an American accordionist, band leader, television impresario, who hosted the television program The Lawrence Welk Show from 1951 to 1982. His style came to be known to his large audience of radio, television, and live performance fans, and critics as well as champagne music. Taking a look at his early life, Welk was born in the German-speaking community of Strasbourg, North Dakota. He was sixth of the eight children of Ludwig and Kostinia Welk, Roman Catholic ethnic Germans who emigrated in 1892 from Odessa Russian Empire, which is now Ukraine. The family lived on a homestead that is now a tourist attraction. They spent the cold North Dakota winter in their first year inside an upturned wagon covered with sod. Welk left schooling during the fourth grade to work full-time on the family farm. Welk decided on a career in music and persuaded his father to buy a male audio- accordion for $400, equivalent to 5411 in today's dollars. He promised his father that he would work on the farm until he was 21 in repayment for the accordion. Any money he made elsewhere during that time, doing farm work or performing, would go to his family. Welk did not learn to speak English until he was 21 and never felt comfortable speaking English in public. Welk became an iconic figure in the German-Russian community of the Northern Great Plains. His success story personified the American
0: dream. On his 21st birthday, having fulfilled his promise to his father, Welk left the family farm to pursue a career in music. During the 1920s, he performed with various bands before forming an orchestra. He led big bands in North Dakota and Eastern South Dakota, including the Hotsy Totsy Boys, and the Honolulu Fruit Gum Orchestra. His band was also the station band for the popular radio programming WNAX in Yankton, South Dakota. The radio show led to many well-paying engagements for the band throughout the Midwestern states. In 1927, he graduated from the McPhail School of Music in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Although many associate Welk's music with a style quite separate from jazz, he recorded one notable song in a ragtime style in November 1928 for Gannett Records, based in Richmond, Indiana, Spike Beer, featuring Welk and his novelty orchestra. During the 1930s, Welk led a traveling big band specializing in dance tunes and sweet music during this period. Bands performing light melodic music were referred to as sweet bands to distinguish them from the more rhythmic and assertive hot bands of artists like Benny Goodman and Duke Ellington. Initially, the band traveled around the country by car. They were too poor to rent rooms, so they usually slept and changed clothes in their cars. The term champagne music was derived from an engagement at the William Penn Hotel in Pittsburgh, after a dancer referred to his band's sound as light and bubbly (laughs) as champagne. The hotel also lays claim to the original bubble machine, a prop left over from a 1920s movie premiere. Welk described his band's sound saying, we still play music with a champagne style, which means light and rhythmic. We place the stress on melody, the chords are played pretty much the way the composer wrote them. We play with a steady beat so dancers can follow it. Welk's big band performed across the country, but particularly in the Chicago and Milwaukee areas. In the early 1940s, the band began a 10-year stint at the Trianon Ballroom in Chicago, regularly drawing crowds of several thousand. His orchestra also performed frequently at the Roosevelt Hotel in New York City during the late 1940s. In 1944 and 1945, Welk led his orchestra in ten Soundies three-minute movie musicals considered to be the early pioneers of music videos.
1: In addition to the above-mentioned spiked beer, Welk's territory band, made occasional trips to Richmond, Indiana, and to Grafton, Wisconsin, to record a handful of sessions for the Jeannette and Paramount companies. In November 1928, he recorded four sides for Jeanette, spread over two days. One side was rejected, and in 1931, he recorded eight sides for Paramount in two sessions that were issued on the Broadway and lyric labels. These records are rare and highly valued today. From 1938 to 1940 he recorded frequently in New York and Chicago for Vocalion records. During this period Welk recorded numerous instrumentals especially for radio stations. These transcription records became a broadcast staple Welk signed with Decca Records in 41 and then recorded for Mercury Records and Coral Records for short periods of time before moving to Dot Records in 1959. In 1967, Welk left Dot Records and joined its former executive Randy Wood in creating Ranwood Records. Welk bought back all his masters from Dot and Coral and Ranwood became the outlet for all of Welk's many artists. They started with a huge reissue of old Dot albums in 1968 to get them started on the right foot. Wood's interest was sold to Welk in 1979. In 2015, Welk Music Group sold the Vanguard and Sugar Hill labels to Concord Bicycle Music while retaining ownership of the Randwood catalog. Welk's estate licensed the Randwood Catalog to Concord Music Group for 10 years. In 1951, Welk settled in Los Angeles, the same year he began producing The Lawrence Welk Show on KTLA in Los Angeles, where it was broadcast from the Aragon Ballroom in Venice Beach. The show became a local hit and was picked up soon by IEBC in June 1955. During its first year on the air, the Welk Hour instituted several regular features. To make Welk's champagne music tagline visual, the production crew engineered a bubble machine that spouted streams of large bubbles across the bandstand. While the bubble machine was originally engineered to produce soap bubbles, complaints for the band members about soapy buildup on their instruments led the machine being reworked to produce glycerin bubbles instead. <laughs> During the show's first year, the bubble machine operated continuously, with the bubbles wafting across the musicians' faces and instruments for an entire hour. <laughs> that must have been an interesting experience <laughs> to p- play it. In- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Within the year, the bubble machine was retired, except for the opening and closing champagne music selections. Whenever the orchestra played a polka or a waltz, Welk himself would dance with the band's female vocalist, the Champagne Lady. This was a long-standing tradition in the Welk band. The first Champagne Lady was Lois Best from 1939 to 41, followed during the war years by Jane Walton.
0: Well, they must have had a bubbly time, huh? <laughs> Beginning with the Welk Show's freshman year, Welk was careful to program current songs in addition to the traditional big band standards. The Boyd Bennett rock and roll hit "My Boy Flat Top" was featured on two different programs: November 26, 1955, and December 10 of 1955. The latter featuring Buddy Merrill on electric guitar. The policy was relaxed over the next year, with new songs still being included, but now being treated as novelty arrangements. In the December 8, 1956 broadcast, Nuttin' for Christmas became a vehicle for Rocky Rockwell dressed in a child's outfit. And Elvis Presley's Don't Be Cruel was sung by the violinist Bob Lido wearing fake Presley-style sideburns. In another episode, the Lennon sisters and Norma Zimmer performed the Orlans' number two pop hit, The Wah Wah Tusi, with the bass singer Larry Hooper wearing a beatnik outfit. <laughs> <laughs> These stood in comparison to the contemporary American bandstand, which catered to a teenager audience and featured the latest acts. Later in the 70s, Welk's programs often included current adult contemporary songs performed by his singers, including Feelings and Love Will Keep Us Together, made famous by Morris Alpert and Captain and respectively. And current songs were included up through 1982, the final year of production of the show. Whenever a Dixieland tune was scheduled, Welk harked back to his days with the Hotsy Totsy Boys and enthusiastically led the band, befitting the target audience The type of music on The Lawrence Welk Show was conservative, concentrating on popular music standards, show tunes, polkas, and novelty songs, delivered in a smooth, calm, good-humored, easy-listening style, and family-oriented manner. Although described by one critic, Canadian journalist and entertainment editor Frank Rasky, as the squarest music (laughs) this side of Euclid, This strategy proved commercially successful, and the show remained on the air for 31 years. That's pretty good for a square show. (laughs) Welk's musicians included accordionist Myron Florin, the concert violinist Dick Kessner, the guitarist Buddy Merrill, and the New Orleans Dixieland clarinetist Pete Fountain. Though Welk was occasionally rumored to be tight with a dollar, He paid his regular band members top scale. Long tenure was common among the regulars. For example, Florin was the band's assistant conductor throughout the show's run. He was noted for spotlighting individual members of his band.
1: Welk had a number of instrumental hits, including a cover of the song Yellow Bird. His highest charting record was Calcutta, written by Haino Gaze which achieved hit status in 1961. Welk himself was indifferent to the tune, but his musical director, George Cates, said that if Welk did not wish to record the song, he, Cates, would. Welk replied, well, if it's good enough for you, George, I guess it's good enough for me. Although the rock and roll explosion in the mid-50s had driven most older artists off the charts, Calcutta reached number one on the U.S. pop chart between the 13th and 26th of February in 1961. It was recorded in only one take, the tune the Shirelles' Will You Love Me Tomorrow, out of the number one position, and it kept the Miracles' shop around from becoming the group's first number one hit, holding their recording at number two. It sold more than one million copies and was awarded a gold disc. The album Calcutta also achieved number one status. The albums Last Date, Yellow Bird, Moon River, Young World, and Baby Elephant Walk, and theme from Brothers Grimm, produced in the early 60s, were in Billboard's top ten. Nine more albums produced between 1956 and 1963 were in the top 20. His albums continued to chart through 1973. Reflecting the controversies about the quality of Welk's music among the cognoscenti, in 1956, musical satirist Stan Freeberg, known for his love of jazz, wrote and recorded a biting Welk satire, Wonderful, Wonderful. Freeberg impersonated Welk, recorded with some of the Hollywood's best jazz musicians, arranged by Billy May, to sound like authentic Welk, the single mocked Welk's accordion work, his sometimes stumbling patter between songs and the music of such Welk favorites, Rocky Rockwell's Stone Stonewell, (laughs) Champagne Lady, Alice Lawn, and Larry Hooper, Larry Looper. Welk was not amused, and when he met Freeberg years later, claimed he never used the wonderful, wonderful term. Ironically, It became the title of Welk's 1971 autobiography.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wonderful, wonderful. Turn off the bubble machine. Yeah, that was uh, Stan Freeberg. I remember that now. During its network run, the Lawrence Welk Show aired on ABC on Saturday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, moving up a half hour to 8.30 p.m. in the fall of 1963. In fact... Welk headlined two weekly primetime shows on ABC for three years. From 1956 to 1958, he hosted Top Tunes and New Talent, which aired on Monday nights. The series moved to Wednesdays in the fall of 1958 and was renamed The Plymouth Show, which ended in May of 1959. During that time, The Saturday Show was also known as The Dodge Dancing Party. During this period, the networks were in the process of eliminating programming that was seen as having either too old an audience, did not appeal to urban residents, or both, the so-called rural purge. As the Lawrence Welk show fit into this category, ABC ended its run in 1971. Welk thanked ABC and the sponsors at the end of the last network show. The Lawrence Welk Show continued on as the first original show was produced in 1982, when Welk decided to retire. While many long-time TV shows suffered a serious ratings drop during the counterculture movement of the late 1960s, the Lawrence Welk Show survived largely intact and even had increased viewership during this time. That's uh, the beauty of syndication. A little bit about uh, Lawrence Welk's personal life. Welk was married for 61 years until his death in 1992 to Fern Renner, August 26, 1903, to February 13, 2002, with whom he had three children. One of his sons, Lawrence Welk Jr., married fellow Lawrence Welk show performer, Tanya Fallon. They later divorced. Welk had many grandchildren and great-grandchildren during his lifetime. Known as a skillful businessman, Welk had investments in real estate and music publishing. He was the general partner in a commercial real estate development at 100 Wilshire Boulevard in Santa Monica, California. 21-story white tower, located on the bluffs overlooking Santa Monica Bay at Ocean Avenue, is the tallest building in Santa Monica. It was a joint venture with the engineering firm Daniel Mann Johnson and Mendenhall. Its largest original tenant was GTE, now Verizon. Welk also owned the adjacent 16-story luxury apartment building at 1221 Ocean Avenue, the Lawrence Welk Champagne Towers. And Welk made his personal residence in the complex. He built the adjacent 11-story Wilshire Palisades office building at 1299 Ocean Avenue at Arizona Street. Designed to resemble a white ocean liner, it has a web-shaped bow edge receding decks with railings and air conditioner covers that look like smokestacks. Its shape creates a landscape plaza on the corner, and the result is a landmark. Welk enjoyed playing golf, which he first took up in the late 50s, and was often a regular at many celebrity pro-am tournaments, such as the Bob Hope Desert Classic. Welk was awarded four US design patents, a musically-themed restaurant menu, an accordion-themed tray for serving food at a restaurant, an accordion-themed ashtray. A devout Roman Catholic, Welk was a daily communicant as corroborated by numerous biographies. By his autobiography and by his family, and his many staff, friends and associates throughout the years.
1: After retiring from his show and
0: from the road in 1982,
1: Welk continued to air reruns of his shows, which were repackaged first for syndication and starting in 1986 for public television. He also starred in and produced a pair of Christmas specials in 1984 and 1985. In addition, he owned a restaurant and club in Escondido where he filmed lead-ins for reruns of The Lawrence Welk Show. Welk died of pneumonia on May 17, 1992, at age 89 in his Santa Monica apartment, surrounded by his family. He was buried in Holy Cross Cemetery in Culver City, California. Among the many honors that he received... In 1961, Welk was inducted as a charter member of the Rough Rider Award from his native North Dakota. In 1967, he received the Horatio Alger Award from the Horatio Alger Association of Distinguished Americans. He later served as a Grand Marshal for the Rose Bowl's Tournament of Roses parade in 1972. Welk received the Gold Plate Award from the American Academy of Achievement in 1980. In 1994, Welk was inducted into the International Polka Music Hall of Fame. Welk had a star for his recordings on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, located at 66 13 Hollywood Boulevard. He had a second star at 1601 Vine Street for television. In 2007, Welk was a charter member of the Jeanette Records Walk of Fame in Richmond, Indiana. Welk's band continues to appear in a dedicated theater in Branson, Missouri. In addition, the television show has been repackaged for broadcast on PBS stations, with updates from show performers appearing as wraparounds where the original show had commercial breaks. The repackaged shows are broadcast at roughly the same Saturday night time slot as the original ABC shows, and special longer rebroadcasts are often shown during individual stations' fundraising periods. These repackaged shows are produced by the Oklahoma Educational TV Authority. What an incredible legacy is left by Lawrence Welk, a great performer a great individual, and we're privileged to be able to broadcast this to you today. If you haven't done so, I invite you to go to our webcast, goldengems.net, and listen to some of the incredible music of Lawrence Welk. <music> Thanks for being with us today. We hope you're having as much enjoyment as we are, reliving some of the unforgettable memories of the Golden Days of Radio. To learn more about the career of today's artists and listen to several of their greatest hits, we invite you to go to our website, www.goldengems.net. May we also encourage you to tell your friends about the show. We'd love to have them join us in these little trips down memory lane. And as always, we invite your feedback or comments on Golden Gems Radio at gmail.com. So until next episode, this is Dave and Bill heading back into the archives to dust off some more unforgettable memories to share with you on Golden Gems.